Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we aim to explore the science of crime and the practical application of the science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Co-hosts Dr. Reed Hayes of the Loss Prevention Research Council and Tom Meehan of Control Tech discuss a wide range of topics with industry experts, thought leaders, solution providers, and many more. In this week's episode, special guest King Rogers of Master Technology Group discusses the history of the LPRC, his experience in building APLP programs, his future in the industry, and much more. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Be a leader in loss prevention by implementing integrated solutions that enhance safety, reduce shrink, and help to improve merchandising, operations, and customer service. Bosch Integrated Security and Communication Solutions span zones one through four in the LPRC zones of influence while enriching the customer experience and delivering valuable data to help increase retail profitability. Learn more by visiting Bosch online at boschsecurity.com. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host and partner in crime here, if you will, Tom Meehan, a longtime LP and AP practitioner um, with Control Tech. Um, and we're really excited today to be joined by King Rogers. And uh, King is um, not only a longtime supporter of what the LPRC is trying to do uh, collectively and uh, from an industry standpoint and a research standpoint, but really at the end of the day, it was his idea. So uh, what we thought we'd do is uh, Tom and I spend a little bit of quality time with King Rogers, um, also a longtime uh, AP practitioner um, uh, known far and wide as the former vice president of AP, really loss prevention at one point, even though his team was assets protection. But we'll go into all that in a minute. Um, Tom, welcome aboard. And King, welcome today and joining us on Crime Science. Thank you, Reed. All right. So what I, do, what I thought I'd do here is, uh, I guess, start out with uh, a question to see, what are, you, what are you working on right now, King? What are you up to? Right now, I have just started an attempt at my third retirement. Um, in March of 2016, Master Technology Group acquired the King Rogers Group, which was my company at the time. And um, three plus years later, uh, the buyout uh, has been concluded. And um, as a result of that, um, I am uh, trying to retire yet once again. But they said hey, that three times a charm. So we'll see if this is going to work. Uh, I don't know what the odds, what the over/under is in Vegas on whether it's going to work or not, but we'll find out. Excellent. Well, that sounds good, um, and I can't imagine um, retirement is uh, is a job and trying to get there. But again, I'm also very glad uh, to hear that you're not going to be completely gone from the uh, LPAP landscape. We we need your energy. We need your ideas. Um, and, and what we're trying to do. Tom, do you want to start off with any particular questions or comments right now for King? Starters, thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm sure the listening audience is excited to hear what you have to say. I know we have a whole, I have a whole bunch of questions for you, but I mean, um, I think my thing is, King, you were always very progressive. I mean, I remember when I was at Home Depot, I remember always hearing about the LPRC even before I was involved and you were ultra progressive. What what was the drive for that? I mean, you were ahead of the curve, really, from compared to almost everybody. Well, Tom, I love this industry, um, uh, and and I have a lot of respect for this industry. Uh, one of the things that Reed uh, was gracious enough not to say in his introduction was 
I am one of the oldest surviving LP practitioners uh, around today. So uh, I'm not sure that that's a notable um, uh, mantle, but nevertheless, I wear it proudly. Um, what, what really drove me was uh, continuous process improvement. I am a firm believer and always have been in everything you do, there's a way to do it better. And uh, part of the effort and doing what you do is to find a way to do it better. And that's what I think has driven me. Sometimes the simplest answer makes the most sense. When, when we talk about the LPRC, why don't you, I mean, you were the, involved in the beginning and I'm always, I, I hear this story from a whole bunch of other people. I've never had the opportunity to ask you, what was it like when you first got with Reed and, and started the conversation? Well, we have to go back to 1990 and probably even further back than that. Now, you got to keep in mind, in my opinion, even in 1990, Reed was just a kid and a very smart kid who had done a significantly uh, wonderful job in trying to peel apart the loss prevention industry and understand it and uh, in doing so, communicate what it's all about. Uh, in fact, in 1990, he uh, wrote a book called uh, Retail Security and Loss Prevention. And um, I read the book and, and um, really enjoyed reading it and had the opportunity to meet with Reed. Uh, again, forgive me for saying this, Reed, but you really were uh, kind of a kid back then. Uh, you were working for Ross Stores. Your mentor was a gentleman named Dave Whitney, uh, whom I knew as well. And Dave was um, Dave was a big man, about six one or so. And if I were to describe Dave, uh, uh, he was an older gentleman with kind of a pink complexion and gray hair and uh, glasses. Uh, and his um, legacy was that as a kid, um, he had become a professional um, uh, coup hand on a fishing boat that um, went out of the Pacific Northwest. And then uh, he served time in law enforcement as a police officer. Then he worked for Woolworths before he went to Ross. But at Ross, um, you were fortunate and he was fortunate uh, that he hired you to work in Ross loss prevention. You were doing some things that were uh, out of the box and on the cutting edge back then, and, and not without some criticism from your peers. But Dave recognized that, as I understand it, told you to, from, from that point on, report directly to him and continue doing what you're doing, just do more of it. Um, so. My experience with Reed was um, he was new in the industry. He was so eager to learn and to share uh, his education with everyone else that it was darn refreshing. And, and so that was, um, in my opinion, the beginning of LPRC. Because it wasn't long thereafter that Reed and I were had been attending a, a – uh, a conference together, and again, I'd read his book and um, asked him if he would mind coming to uh, 
Target's headquarters in Minneapolis. Oh, by the way, it was in the dead of winter in 1997, and uh, he was coming up from uh, Georgia and Florida. So he had to adjust um, both not only time zone, but also climate zone. And um, he was freezing to death because he wasn't prepared for the trip. Nevertheless, he came up and, and we talked about what he was doing and what he could do uh, for Target. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity to ask him to create a research proposal um, for me to uh, share at Target, uh, not only the, the results of the proposal, but actually the process uh, as well. And so he prepared his proposal to me and um, I got it funded. And uh, he went on to conduct a large scale research project on uh, offenders and what what's in their head, what, what they're thinking about, uh, as well as thinking of uh, uh, counter theft measures based on what the offenders were thinking. We conducted that research project, uh, and it was a real benefit to talk. By the way, I actually purchased uh, 200 of those books that he had authored back in 1990 and sent them to our district regional and direct report uh, team. Um, and I, Reed, I don't know if you ever got paid for them or not, but um, they were a great <laughs> book and great resource for us. I did get paid, thank you. <laughs> or the publisher did, anyway. Good. So, uh, anyway, that uh, proposal um, commenced in 1999, and um, uh, by 2000, uh, Reed and I were uh, sharing a DS, the uh, NRF Loss Prevention Conference, and um, the title of our presentation was uh, shoplifting and science inside the offender's mind, and really this was a compilation of uh, the results of the research project that Reed had done, and he presented the highlights of that project. And I had the opportunity, as as uh, uh, in my role of introducing Reed, to tell the audience there, it consisted of a lot of industry leaders. Um, to uh, join with Target and to start a loss prevention assets protection research organization um, that Target would help stand behind and uh, uh, ask Reed to uh, do the heavy lifting for it. Uh, and so that year, um, the LPRC was actually founded by a number of visionary retail uh, loss prevention leaders, who some of whom um, or maybe all of whom attended that particular conference and listened to that presentation. So impressed with uh, <clears throat> what Reed had um, uh, developed through his research project that uh, we launched the Loss Prevention Research Council. Wow. So I, I, I think uh, that's the first time I ever heard you tell the story. So it, it's really interesting. And I remember the first time that I met you and this is just kind of funny is I didn't know your name was really King. I just thought everybody called you the King. And I was obviously I'm, I'm younger and I remember hearing about you. <laughs> so uh, it was interesting coming from you. I switching gears a little bit. Why don't you tell the listeners how you, you know, ended up in APLP in early part of your career? 
Well, I'll try to shorten the story, Tom. Um, but uh, after college, I was a military intelligence officer and served part of that uh, duty at the National Security Agency as an analyst and uh, served um, in Southeast Asia and Pueblo was seized um, by the North Koreans in, in, during Tet Offensive of 68. I had to leave Vietnam, oh golly, uh, and go north to uh, South Korea to help uh, retrieve the vessel and the, and the uh, crew. Uh, we were successful in getting the crew back, not so successful in getting the, the ship back. Um, but anyway, after I completed my uh, obligation, um, my family was living in the Philadelphia area, so um, I moved to the Philadelphia area and got a job with a retailer there called Strawbridge and Clothier and was hired in their management training program. And first thing I did was to count ties and socks in the men's department as part of my training process. Um, and that was followed by a stint as um, assistant manager of the inventory shortage control department. Now keep in mind, I was a history major and I wasn't very good at counting beans, but one had to know how to count beans if one was going to be in, ch in charge of, uh, of inventory shortage control. So I learned how to do that and became the, the manager of that department. And um, my career kind of took me through a number of operations jobs and I was running a couple of stores I got a call from the uh, uh, chairman of the executive committee of the board of directors who said that uh, they were planning, the board had decided to take store security, which is what it was called in those days, um, risk management, internal audit, inventory shortage control, and put those four functions under one umbrella and call it assets protection. And he asked me if I would be willing to serve as the director of assets protection. Well, it was like a kid in a candy store. I was very excited to say yes. And um, uh, I became director of assets protection. And, and suddenly I was responsible for functions that, frankly, I really didn't know very much about. Uh, security was a good example of that. As an intelligence analyst, you understand how to collect intelligence, um, which is data, and convert that data into information for somebody to take some action on, which turns out to be investigations. I could do the analysis part, couldn't do the investigations part. So I had to learn quickly, and um, I had to solicit the help of, of uh, some of my team uh, at Strawbridge's to uh, teach me how to do surveillances and um, interviews before the Wicklander Zalowski days um, and um, become effective at um, protecting um, the, the store, if you will, and the supply chain. Uh, that's how I got into it. And uh, then in the early 80s, uh, I was recruited by um, Target stores become VP of loss prevention for target stores. And even though I'd been in uh, many different parts of the world prior to that, when, uh, when the headhunter called me about the target position, I had to go to my Atlas and learn where Minneapolis was. Um, I really didn't have any idea. I used to fly over that part of the world, but, um, 
Anyway, went to Minneapolis and uh, uh, had a great team, um, which needed some work. We got that work done, and it was uh, uh, very productive. When I got there, we had a, a shrink of about 2.7%, and by the time I left some years later, um, we had it down to 0.7%. Uh, so the, uh, the results really paid off. When you were at Target, I mean, um, how long were you there, actually, King? That was my first question. About 18 years. And I had been with Star Wars and Clothier for 14 and a half years prior to that, and uh, obviously in the military for five and a half years, and uh, were my productive years, if you will. And and over the years, I mean, throughout uh, really any retailer, you know, specific, it doesn't need to be specific to Target. How did you keep selling your programs and objectives and processes to the C-suite? You were very progressive, so I'm sure that you were asking for things other people weren't. What were some of the key things you did to sell it to the leadership? Well, as crass as this may sound, Tom, I really didn't care what other people were doing. Uh, I only cared about what Target needed to do and what Target Corporation needed to do. And I, I always subscribe to the notion of undersell and over-deliver. And in the process of doing that, I tried to use shrink numbers as uh, metrics in touting a return on investment of projects that I wanted to get done. Um, shrink is a, it can be a very muddy pool of, of money. And um, um, I wanted things that were more specific and more exact um, that I could assign metrics to, pay for the projects uh, that way. And when I say undersell and over-deliver, I always said, here are the results I intend to achieve, and um, these, uh, the projects that, that were funded uh, resulted in actually putting more money on the bottom line than I promised uh, we would do. Who were some of uh, your subordinate AP leaders over the years that you mentored that got into uh, other uh, leadership roles at other chains? And I know you, you worked, it, it feels like everybody that I know had worked for you at some time, but so who are some of the standouts or accomplishments that you can think of that you'd like to share with the group? Well, I can think of three of the uh, most notable, starting with Marvin Ellison, who is the CEO of Lowe's. Um, Marvin, a quick story on Marvin. He had recently graduated from uh, Memphis State University with a degree in marketing, and he was in one of our districts in the Tennessee market. I met him, uh, and what a polished young man. I felt like Colonel Parker must have felt when he discovered Elvis Presley. Um, I knew that Marvin had a lot of talent. And on the way, on the trip back to Minneapolis after meeting with Marvin, um, I began to conjure up ways to uh, uh, capitalize on his talent and uh, figure out ways to uh, be behind the curtain and help pull some of the strings to enable his uh, career. And uh, fortunately, uh, he always surpassed my expectations, which were always very high. And so Marvin became, um, uh, his career in the field 
uh, took off and he wanted a regional job. And I said, you got to come into Minneapolis uh, and spend a year there in operations, uh, in assets protection operations before you go back out as a regional. And I had to talk him into doing that. Um, but um, he finally acquiesced and, and uh, agreed to serve in that capacity. And um, he just did an outstanding job. And I was delighted to get him back out on the field in the leadership role there. Um, so uh, another of my mentees that um, who has really um, pleased me with his progress is Keith White, um, Executive Vice President of the Gap. Uh, he's he's just done a remarkable job, uh, and Keith worked for me um, both in Target uh, as well as uh, at uh, Dayton Hudson Corporation, and he was um, also in res- had responsibility for supply chain, and um, he's just done a remarkable job. I, I read something this morning where the gap is is uh, being held up is being honored as a retailer with tremendous um, uh, green uh, practices in uh, in their merchandising and running their stores. And uh, that is one of Pete's roles uh, at the Gap. And then uh, Ray Cloud, who is uh, Senior Vice President of Loss Prevention at uh, Ross, kind of goes full circle, doesn't it, Reed? Um, Ray uh, is another one of my mentees who uh, has done a tremendous job, and he is uh, at Ross, which was where he started years ago. Um, those are three, and um, you know there, there are lots of others. We don't have enough time to go through all of them, but uh, uh, I'm very proud of all of them. And it's uh, a real honor to uh, have my name associated with them. Fantastic. Thanks, King, so much for that. Um, You know, one thing I thought we'd touch on is, you know, from your perspective, um, and you're not as old as you think you are, because then that would mean that I am. But um, I was going to ask you about uh, what are are some uh, things that that you see evolving out there um, and how can we make AP uh, and LP better in your perspective? Well, I think our employers are looking for ways to um, increase efficiencies in running their retail enterprises. And in doing so, have um, in some cases gone down the path of diversification in as much as they will take uh, operations people and put them into loss prevention, and they will take loss prevention people and put them into operations. Um, And uh, what bothers me is not the the, uh, diversity of doing um, those initiatives, but it's the lack of training. Loss prevention, assets protection is a specialized area uh, needs to be treated and respected as a specialized area. Uh, all of us who have been in loss prevention for any period of time know that you have to know almost as much as a criminal attorney, certainly as a civil attorney. You have to know 
as much as a law enforcement officer or police officer. You have to train to um, defend yourself and to mitigate situations that um, uh, could get out of control if you don't. But you also have to understand the business of, of uh, your employer, which is retailing and the supply chain that the goods follow to get into the customer's hands. Uh, Reed, you made a, a comment to me uh, some time ago when you were talking about uh, Dave Whitney uh, being your mentor. He taught you to uh, get down in the weeds and know the business, but it was because you had to know how to protect the business that um, he challenged you to do that. And that's exactly what loss prevention practitioners have to do. We all know that if a loss prevention practitioner uh, who's confronted with decisions all day long, every day, uh, if one of those decisions is wrong, it could be a huge price. Um, you need to avoid those um, liability uh, high-risk situations as much as possible. So there needs to be a training effort um, in order to capitalize on the efficiencies that the retailer, retail enterprises can achieve by having operations people learn how to be loss prevention people. And um, we, not everybody is good at being prevention, at being a practitioner in loss prevention. Uh, so you need to recognize that early in the game and make adjustments accordingly. That's great stuff. Is understanding the how how is this enterprise this this thing this entity that we're trying to protect? How is it operating? What's it, what are all the components? Where, where are they buried? And I I do remember going back real quickly at Ross Stores where we were having some clearly having some inventory leakage somewhere, and and we literally got in a room and tried to make calls and go make visits and understand every single step and stage. Uh, any place that our merchandise moved from the manufacturer or wherever we were buying it off the wire, for example, how was how were those items moving throughout the enterprise to look for um, things that we didn't realize were happening, to look for uh, gaps and opportunities to improve that entire handling process. Um, and in the course of that, we discovered this truck trailer drop-off point that the truck drivers came up with from all these different entities where they would leave these trailers overnight or over weeks sometimes that no, nobody at Ross stores knew about at that time. And guess what? We were losing uh, trailer loads or partial trailer loads or some guys were selling stuff out of the back of trailers and so forth. So that was an example on that end. And going real quickly to Dave Whitney, um, and that was during his uh, leadership time when we were conducted that, uh, that exercise, but he would go, and every time he would visit, he would go into the cash office of every store, sit down with whoever was in charge and with the manager there and me or whomever he was with, and go through how to count money, how many ones, how many fives, and so on, how to do basic things with them and because he understood everything about that enterprise. And another person, by the way, I'll never forget, was Bill Cohn at AutoZone, uh, getting to spend a lot of good quality time with him. And uh, he knew that business like nobody nobody else. Um, let me go over to you, if I might, Tom. And I know you had a couple of, of good questions. 
King, I think you partially answered this, but with all the changes in retail that have happened really in the last five to 10 years and the evolution, what are some of the challenges that you see uh, that retailers are facing that are different or maybe the same? And what advice do you have for some folks that are newer into the leadership roles? Well, I, I'll go back to my earlier statement about continuous process improvement um, and thinking about better ways. Um, I'm delighted that now um, I see more and more uh, utilization of data in driving the direction that protection and retailers is going. I'm delighted because that was my early background in the intelligence business, and I understood that experience, um, the value of utilizing intelligence. And today, um, there are uh, different sources and resources to mine and harvest data from the retail enterprise. And um, it's just data until it's been analyzed. And once it goes through the analysis process, then it converts to intelligence. And once it gets there, um, then there are a lot of tech, uh, technology tools that can be used to uh, um, capture and harness that intelligence. For example, I look at the way video surveillance has evolved over the years. And um, the future for video surveillance with um, analytics and, and um, predictive analysis. And, and um, it, it, it's incredibly um, successful in the direction that it's going in. And it's driven by the use of intelligence. And I see a lot of what we're doing, we'll be doing in the future, driven by intelligence, integrated with the right technology. That was one of the, the great um, opportunities I had over the last three years, um, uh, being an indentured servant, and I say that with my tongue in cheek, um, for Master Technology Group. And um, actually, um, there's a lot of similarity, I guess, between what you control tech and and um, what I was doing for Master Technology Group, but uh, it's the opportunity to, to um, creatively find the technologies that can be integrated um, to um, deliver as solutions to challenges that retailers are facing today. And uh, I think we're getting much better at that. Um, we're doing it with less risk, um, and I think it keeps the bad guys uh, off guard, which is essential for our success. So, you know, um, I always am asked this question, so and I don't often get to ask anybody else this question. What was it like transitioning out of the practitioner side for you uh, into more of the solution provider side? Um, you know, I always think of myself as I'm doing the exact same thing I was doing before. I just you know, am working for a different company. But I'm curious to what your opinion was with all of your experience when you switched over. What was that like for you? I, I guess I was a closet entrepreneur at time. Um, when, when I was in the corporate world working for Target Corporation, um, we all know that in many uh, large corporations like Target and others, um, there's, uh, uh, there are a lot of politics that occur. 
and um, I always thought that uh, that there were a lot of politics in the military, and I was looking to forward to um, uh, getting away from playing those politics, and I got into retailing, and the, as I moved into the larger corporation, uh, there were more and more politics. Now, that said, I must have played those politics very well because uh, I was successful with them. I didn't always enjoy them, and uh, as an entrepreneur, I could kind of take off on my own independently and um, not be involved that much in politics. After I flunked retirement 101 the first time, my uh, uh, consulting partner, Ben Guffey, uh, who was my counterpart at uh, Kmart, and I um, did a project for a company. It was a paid project for this particular company, and it was um, uh, looking for a business plan uh, for them to pursue in the retail supply chain. And so we created that business model for them, and the subsequent plan, the um, owner of that company went out and got it funded, and uh, the next thing I knew, Ben and I had been um, requested to join the company as employees, and we suddenly got back into the corporate world. And, and um, unfortunately, Ben passed away rather suddenly, and uh, um, I decided to go back in, into uh, my independence as a, a retail consultant. And um, so I tried uh, retirement number two at that point. <laughs> and, uh, um was um I, I think pretty successful and had a great time doing it. Um I guess the bottom line to the answer to your question is um it has to be that entrepreneurial spirit. You have it, I have it, Reed has it. Um and it, sometimes it's a blessing, sometimes it's the opposite, but it's not being able to say no. The glass is always half full. And, and uh, that's the way we go through life, um, with a very positive outlook on abilities and capability. That's excellent. I was going to ask you, King, if I could, um, you know, we've talked about an organization and a little bit about the individual, but, uh, you know, now again, taking a step back and looking, what could the individual, particularly the newer AP or LP practitioner, what can he or she do to maybe make themselves better? Um, we've talked about learn the business, get down in the weeds, uh, and then try and think a little bit more about the big picture. What are we overall trying to do? But what about in between? What are any recommendations for the newer uh, practitioner or somebody that would like to move on up through the organization? Well, as I think about the answer to that question, Reed, I think uh, back in my early days where technology was um, – the equivalent of a slide rule or an abacus, um, whereas today it's certainly gone way well beyond that. And um, as I said before, I believe that data is going to drive the direction of loss prevention in the future. Um, so with all the other stuff that one has to learn to be successful in loss prevention, you have to have a basis in technology and a basis in data. 
you have to be able to at least walk the talk in understanding technology um, and, and digging in to the extent that you can to, to um, teach yourself. But I look at a guy like Tom, and, and Tom, I'm not saying this just to stroke you, but um, I mean, you are a data guru who has been very effective in, um, in your loss prevention initiatives, both with Bloomingdale's and now with Control Tech and, and with your leadership on the LPRC. Um, and and um, fortunately or unfortunately, you really epitomize the role model for the future. Now, that's a heavy burden, my friend. Appreciate it. I'm not sure I always agree with that, but I do appreciate it. And, um, you know, I appreciate everything you've done for the industry, and uh, I always enjoy listening to you. Well, and I'd like to build on that a little bit, King, in that, you know, Tom is an example. And, all right, I need uh, supply chain is a critical part of our enterprise. It, it is integral. It is our enterprise in a lot of ways. It gets the merchandise uh, it, when things are going right right where it should be, when it should be, um, and then returns it where it needs to go as well. But uh, so I know Tom has been a, a student of supply chain uh, and the integrity and the operation and improvement of thereof uh, on the cyber side. Well, almost everything's digital, as everybody knows uh, on this podcast. Um, we're moving information about our team, about our merchandise, about our money, where we're trying to go, everything. And so I know, Tom, you've gone out of your way to become a student of all things digital. How do we better use it? How do we better protect it? Um, and then, like you're talking about, King, I believe, just trying to get out there and understand uh, investigations uh, at the very complex, sophisticated ORC, organized retail crime level, uh, sophisticated, dishonest associate or employee level at all strata of the organization, uh, and then just understanding how to protect a very complex store like particularly the main uh, Bloomingdale's that takes up an entire city block. Ask Fred Becker there what that's like and so on. So no, I, I think it's pretty neat. It's pretty rich. Um, Look-see, King, what you're pointing out in that um, we have some exemplars of that where you're going to you really need to know what you're doing, what you're up against, and try and master that. That's what we're here for. Let's get better every day um, in what we do and what we know and how to get better. So. Um, well, what I'd like to do is thank you both again, Tom, uh, for co-hosting and King, of course, for spending some of your valuable time as you continue to put together your third retirement exit plan. Um, what makes you uh, what makes you passionate? Or what are you passionate about now, King, as you uh, construct your next exit? Well, Reed, as you know, um, my wife and I live in a, uh, a house a very nice home up on a lake in northern Minnesota. The house is way too big, um, but it is really nice, and the lake is absolutely incredible. And just uh, having spent a little bit more time in the last three or four weeks here uh, at the house than I have been in the past, um, it, uh, it strikes me as though uh, I, I really have to work hard on being able to spend more time here and uh, work on enjoying it. But I get, I'm constantly tugged back into the industry. Uh, it's like this podcast. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to do this. Um, 
I certainly don't mind it distracting me from my retirement task at hand. In fact, I admittedly welcome it. Um, wife has requested I try not to alphabetize the spice rack anymore. <laughs> I hear you. Well, enjoy your third run um, at retirement, and we're also excited and pleased to hear that you're still going to be available putting some uh, of your insights uh, and letting us benefit from your experience, your expertise, all the lessons learned the easy way and the hard way, I'm sure. So thank you, everybody, for another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Reed. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more Crime Science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.